So we're, um, as you all know, we've been looking at Acts these last, this last little season, and Russ is going to bring more today. I believe we're going to find out more about Holy Spirit. So I know Russ really gives his heart when he prepares for a, um, to preach. So um, just encourage you just to open up and, and let Holy Spirit really speak to you tonight. Because I will tell you, this is, this is a very simple word, but <laughs> there is always more, right? Sometimes we've had an experience with God. We've had, we've had a filling of Holy Spirit. But every, every day, right, fresh manna, every day, fresh touch, that's his heart for us because every day is a new day. So um, I know what Russ is going to bring is going to be very safe and very pastoral. So come on up, Russ. Thank you, Susan. Well, I hope it's a little dangerous. <laughs> That'd be, otherwise, it'd be boring, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jesus, I'm so aware, Holy Spirit, I'm so aware that nothing really impactful happens unless you're involved, unless you're involved, Father. And... Um, so we all invite you to come and work in, in, in our spirits, in our hearts, in our beings. I ask that you do exceedingly abundantly more than we expect tonight. <laughs> and would you raise up our expectations for what you're going to do? Yeah. You say in your word that faith comes by hearing and in hearing the word of God. And... So I ask even in the, in the scriptures that we'll be considering tonight, it will be, that it would be food for us, and it would be food for growing our trust in you, our connection with you, our expectation that uh, you have so much more for us to partner with you in doing, in being. Wow. Holy Spirit, come. Come and reveal Jesus to us tonight. Amen. So, anyone notice that that spring happened recently? <laughs> it went from rainy and overcast to sunny and warm and beautiful, and yay! And we have a we have a wisteria vine in our, the pergola in our backyard, and I told Susan yesterday. We could, we could almost make this part of a Thomas Kincaid painting here. It's just so beautiful, purple, white, smell, and smells beautiful. And so thank you for spring. Thank you for the rain, Father, and thank you for the springtime. And don't cause the weeds in my backyard to grow too fast, please. <laughs> Anyone else relate to that one? <laughs> <clears throat> As Susan said, we're going through the book of Acts, and really a lot of, especially in the beginning of the book of Acts, there's just a lot about the, the foundation of the church and the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus to people. And we're going to continue with that. And how many of you have heard of John Wimber? Yeah, he, was, uh, he was the one who really accelerated the, the growth of the vineyard movement 
which became a worldwide movement. And uh, many of us are kind of sons and daughters of what happened there. And John had some really good observations. Once someone has crossed the line and had the experience of the Holy Spirit, it alters their paradigm. Now, let me say this in an unqualified way. Experience alters theology. Another quotation, I am committed to the notion that without spiritual gifts functioning, I am indeed an incomplete and secularized Christian. I believe we must operate in the realm of the Spirit. Anyone want to say amen? Amen. 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 Yes. Holy, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> How many were here last week? Yeah. Wasn't that powerful? And, and I really want to thank uh, the, uh, the folks who had no idea they were going to be speaking last Saturday. <laughs> Sheila and Henry, you did a great job. Thank you. And if, you, if you're curious about what Peter meant when he said, they're not drunk as you suppose, listen to last week. It's, it's about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I'm borrowing some things from Brent's uh, slides because they were so good. And also, he didn't have a chance to finish them So <laughs> last week because <clears throat> the Holy Spirit took over. So I'd like, like you to ponder this with me. Why did God pour out his spirit? What is the outpouring of God's spirit for? Now, there's no one answer. But I just want you to kind of go. This part of our journey today is going to be exploring some of that. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I That means God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And even upon my my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Now there's an interesting thing going on that um, one of my mentors, John Paul Jackson, pointed out. So let's see if I can go backwards. Nope, that wasn't going backwards. There we go. That's what, that, very intuitive. Thank you, Charles. So, <laughs> yay, Charles. Um, so so all, all of the, um, kind of the, the, the scriptures here are yours. It's, 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 well, it's God's spirit, my spirit, and then your sons and your daughters and your young men and your old men, but notice this, even on my male servants and female servants, instead of your. So he wasn't just talking about your, ser- your servants, if you had servants, isn't he? He's talking about those who had dedicated themselves to serving him. And he's always had people like that throughout history, hasn't he? He said, I'm not going to forget you who have been dedicating to serving me either. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, 3, and 5, It's good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. When someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, 
to build them up and to bring them comfort. And I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. So in that whole area of of 1 Corinthians, and the, the Corinthians were asking all sorts of questions to Paul about how do we do stuff and how does this work and uh, there were lots of controversies, and he was trying to help answer those. <clears throat> and, and there was controversy about tongues. He said, I, I, speak, I speak in tongues more than all of you folks, but I'd be even more excited if, if you were building each other up, if you, were, if you were encouraging people, if you were building them up, if you were bringing them comfort through what God was giving you to share with them in a way they could understand now, how do you know that... Actually, that's, that's something that Chris Fallopin says a lot, but I'm going to use it anyway. How many of you know that encouragement isn't always just about easy stuff happening? Yeah, sometimes encouragement is when something really hard is happening or is about to happen, but God wants you to know he, he knows what's going on and he has, he has answers for you. That's, that's to encourage, right? Encouragement has to do with encourage, encourage, in being encouraged having courage, being given courage, growing in courage. And we usually need that most when things are not going well, (laughs) right? So this isn't all just kind of, you know, running through the daisies. (laughs) Well, it is springtime, but uh, this is prophetic words, prophetic encouragement are things we all Need and and God knows when we need them especially, and it's it's a beautiful thing when God gives you something to encourage or build up or comfort somebody else, because when God's speaking, it's it's so different than just if we give our human our, our human wishes. His his words, his what he has to say through us has substance that's beyond what we can give it by ourselves. So I, I encourage all of you to desire that, and I think I was starting to say. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 are a lot about spiritual gifts. And what's in the middle of all of that? Chapter 13. Love. Yes. And so Paul was very specific that all these things that we do, all the powerful, supernatural, spiritual things we might be doing, doesn't mean anything if, if it's not being motivated by love. And some people have taken that to mean, well, as long as I love, it doesn't matter whether I do anything with the Spirit or not. But that's kind of missing, you know, the cool stuff, right? (laughs) The powerful stuff, the transformational stuff. So here's a modern example of a a prophetic word. This is from Sean Boltz. How many have heard of Sean Boltz? Yay. I really appreciate him. One of the things I really appreciate is he majors on, on love, and that all that we do as far as prophetic people has, needs to be coming from a place of love. And Sean shares, shares a, story. I woke, I, a story. I woke up February 1st, 2001, and I heard God say, now by the way, he, he told us, he's told us in other talks that when he says God say, it's not that he heard the audible voice of God. I think that's only happened a few times in his life. But it's when God speaks into his mind, okay? So, as far as I know, this wasn't an audible voice, but it was very clear. An earthquake is coming in June for Peru, 
and will destroy many buildings and houses. The enemy knows this and wants to capitalize on it by killing thousands. Tell the churches in Peru to get ready, buy insurance, and help their people be earthquake-proof. So that's an intense word. I knew, this is Sean speaking, I knew one of the larger churches outside of Lima. So I called the pastor and told him this. Then he asked me what days, and I saw a coverage for June 23rd to 28th and said, I don't know the exact day, but I know that God wants to spare people and help them in your town and others. I'd given this pastor and a few others some very specific words in the past, and there, so he had credibility. Yeah. And their hearts were open to consider this one, this one because of my track record. As they went to their church and their friends' churches with the possibility of the earthquake, they all agreed it would be good to buy earthquake insurance for the churches, businesses, houses, etc., for anyone they could. Many people earthquake-proofed even their houses. One of the most amazing things they did is they hosted a citywide multi-church gathering of consecration and prayer that ran for seven days up in the mountains during the dates I'd given him. Over 1,000 people went either each day or stayed for the entire time. On June 24th, the the earthquake hit and devastated the country. But because these churches were praying and beforehand, the death toll was minimal and the injuries were not in the tens of thousands. And he says here, although over 1,700 were injured, you can look it up on Wikipedia, it was actually a, a larger number, but as you know, those, those numbers trickle in over time. They knew that God had protected their nation, and they felt so valued and loved by God. Not only that, but many of these believers benefited in a great way. They were able to rebuild their homes, their houses and businesses, and even turn the churches into beautiful earthquake-proof structures because of the insurance money. My pastor friend asked me to come down in 2005 to see the rebuild. And when I did, it was beautiful, much nicer than the church I belong to in the States. So that's an example of, I'd say, um, encouragement, huh? Take courage and take action. It wasn't the kind of uh, prophetic words we sometimes hear about where it's just, you know, doom and God's punishing, about to bring punishment and judgment. It wasn't like that, was it? It was, God knows this is going to happen, and, and he wants you to prepare. And, and uh, I believe they, the churches also were resources for many other people in, in that area. So thank you, God, for making the church a blessing and, and um, revealing your love. We're about to hear... a. A short video. Is that right? I think it should be in there. Yeah, the short video by Sean Bolts. This is about signs, dreams, and visions. And signs are a resource because we are led by a God of love who loves to show us what he wants us to do. 
And he loves to haunt us with it. And he loves to torment us with it, kind of. Traumatize us with it sometimes. He tells us over and over and over things. And he expands upon what he originally said to you. He will never leave you sightless. You may not like how he tells you things because he may give you dreams. I hate dreams. I absolutely hate dreams I have to interpret. My best friend's a dreamer. He tells me his dreams. They take 30 minutes on the phone to tell me. Sometimes every day he'll tell me dreams. Sometimes it's once a week. But when he tells me a dream, I literally go into autopilot like, oh God, please don't make me interpret this. Don't make me do it. <laughs> and some of his dreams have been exactly what God wanted me to hear to lead us. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, just shoot straight with me, God. And God's like, if I tell you straight, you'll never fall in love. You'll never understand the culture of my heart. I have to tell you parables and dark sayings because when I tell it to you this way, you seek out my heart, not just my hand. You seek out my nature, not just what you want out of it. So when he gives you signs, it's a resource to you. And it's a progressive conversation. He starts the conversation one day and you're like, Lord, you only said half a sentence. And he laughs and goes, I know, it's great. Ten years later, you're in the shower, and all of a sudden he speaks to you the other part of the sentence. You're like, I've waited for ten years. I'm in a shower. <laughs> like, God, it's been ten years. He's like, I'm timeless. I don't know. <laughs> I don't live in time. Some of you are in the middle of those conversations with God on multiple levels. I'm telling you, look at it as a resource. Don't resent the fact that you don't know yet. Press into God and ask him for more. Ask him for signs. You're allowed to. Ask him, show me your signs. Confirm with wonder upon wonder, Lord, put me in so much awe of what you're calling me to do that I fall so in love with a people group, that I fall so in love with an industry, a nation, a land, that I'm so in love with them that I can't help but see the signs of your love over that people. It'll change everything. Wasn't that good? Yes. <laughs> and he's got a sense of humor too, right? You could tell that. Uh, he's, he's letting you know how it feels to, feels to him. I don't think he was really saying that um, God was saying, I don't know, I'm timeless, I don't, I don't know how this is affecting you. you know, he was just being how it feels like to Sean. <laughs> God has reasons. We don't always know what they are in the moment though, do we? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember Todd sharing once, uh, about not really feeling much going to Uganda one year, and then just when he hit when he got to Uganda, just feeling this tremendous love, this overwhelming love for the people of Uganda, and it was it was such a beautiful story. I mean, such a beautiful example of God giving you that sign of His heart. But you went out of obedience, and then He gave you His heart. I celebrate that, Todd. So we're going to go a little further into why did God pour out his, his spirit? What is the outpouring of God's spirit for? So one of them was prophecy, dreams, signs and wonders, visions, for, for that to be happening, activated and be experienced, right? So we know, that, we know that's at least one because Peter was talking about it, to say this is that. I would I make the um, 
proposition that for Jesus' ecclesia to bring his realm, his answers to the earth. In Matthew 16, remember, we, were, we studied this earlier about the ecclesia. How many guys remember that? Have you ever wondered how to say that word right? I watched several YouTubes about how to say ecclesia or ecclesia, and different experts said different things. <laughs> so you say tomato, I'll say tomato, and we'll, we'll both be good. <laughs> I'll say ecclesia. Um, Simon Peter answered, this is when Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are a blessed person, Simon Bar-Jonah. This wasn't revealed to you by human beings, but, my, but my, by my father in the heavenly places. I certainly say that you are Peter, the stone, and I will build my assembly, the ecclesia, upon me, the rock. Now, sometimes we think it was both the same word, but stone is a small piece of rock, but the rock that uh, is meant in the Greek is actually like uh, a shelf or ledge of rock, a cliff, or a boulder. Who said that? Good for you. <laughs> well, well, well done, <laughs> Candy. <clears throat> so that's, you get a difference of scale, right? A rock versus Jesus. A, a small stone versus Jesus the rock. <clears throat> I will build my assembly upon me, the rock, and Hades' gates will not triumph in an encounter with my assembly, my ecclesia. Todd was declaring that in the worship today, wasn't he? Yeah. And the whole worship team was declaring that. Thank you. And Jesus said to them, I will give you the keys to heaven's realm. And whatever you tie up on earth will have been tied up in heavenly places. And whatever you release on earth will have been released in heavenly places. So a lot of times we hear that it's just going to happen simultaneously, you know, the way they do the tenses. But this is what the, the Greek tense means, which is, which is, I guess, an unusual uh, Greek tense um, for, for the, this phrase. But that, what that means to me is that we're, getting in, in, we're, getting, we're receiving prophetic information about what Father's heart is, what Jesus' heart is in heaven and then as we declare it on earth, it becomes reality in the earth realm. Does that make sense? The keys to heaven's realm come through our relational. Say relational. relational. Access. Access to the mind of Jesus about the situations and people Father God wants to help. This relational access is empowered by the Holy Spirit being in us and upon us. I'm just going to pause for a moment. Let that sink in. In fact, I'll say it again. The keys to heaven's realm come through our relational access to the mind of Jesus 
about the situations and people Father God desires to help. This relational access is empowered by who? Holy Spirit being in us and upon us. We experience prophetic words, visions, dreams, and knowings. You know what knowings mean? It's like you just know something. <laughs> how, many of, how many of you experienced that? Yeah. Yeah, you just suddenly know something you didn't know a moment before. And it actually made, made sense and you knew what to do. Or you knew what to declare. Through Holy Spirit... We receive those through Holy Spirit, and then we participate in Jesus' ecclesia as we agree and declare Father God's will to be done on the earth as he desires in heaven. This includes what we agree to be tied up and what we agree to be released. And I would argue it would be more, it's more than just those two categories, but those are the ones that um, Jesus was highlighting with his disciples, by the binding and loosing, the tie, tying up and the releasing. And now I'd like Clayton to come and share um, in reading the word to us in Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Clayton. Would you give him a hand? Continuing on in Acts 2, starting with verse 19. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through, through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it is not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, and my flesh will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make, known, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence." Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when, you heard the, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, what shall we do? Thank you, Clayton. Did you know that Clayton has some theater background? Could you tell? That was great, Clayton. Really made it come alive. Really made it come alive. So I want you to notice something. That Peter was speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit. So part of the effect of the Holy Spirit being poured out was Peter got up and said these things. Uh, Jesus encouraged his disciples, his apostles, not to worry about what they were going to say when they were called before magistrates and, and judges, but that, that, that they would be given what to say. And I suspect this is what happened for Peter. He, he didn't, I don't think he prepared to talk. <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit, using what he knew of Scripture, which is a good, which is a good encouragement for all of us to, to take in as much Scripture as possible, using that, to connect with these, these Jewish people from all over the world. So not only are we talking about the outpouring, the outpouring is actually affecting everybody, including Peter, to, to speak with an, with, with an anointing that touched their hearts. And then the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts also. So they, they said, what, what do we do? And I'm going to... I'm going to leave, we're not going to continue on with the scripture there. We're going to kind of unpack more about, about what's already been said. It's kind of a cliffhanger for you. But you can read ahead <laughs> and find out what, how Peter answered them. <clears throat> this is one of the scriptures that Clayton read. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. Who are we talking about? Jesus. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus, poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Yeah. Can you feel that? Holy Spirit. We just, we just thank you for, for touching us right now. How, how meaningful it is that, that Jesus went through what he did and, and ascended to the right hand of your Father, having received from your Father, our Father too, the promise of the Holy Spirit. You are pouring out the Holy Spirit on us and have been since the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are such a great gift. Jesus was so excited about, about you coming that he said, it's even better that I'm going away because I will send the Paracletos to be with you, the friend, the one who comes alongside, the one who empowers. So thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming. And thank you, Jesus, for making this possible. And thank you, Father, for 
for making this available to all your children. And the last verse that Clayton read, now when they heard this, when they heard what, what they'd done to Jesus, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter laid out for them, using scripture and their own experience, that they had killed the very one that they had been waiting for. And they were cut to the heart. And I, and I know the Holy Spirit was involved in, in, in affecting their conscience in their heart too, right? Todd's been encouraging us to ask, to pray the prayer of God, soften our heart. How many of you have been doing that? Yeah, that's good. Matthew, I can see that hand. I've been doing, I've been doing it as I think about it. But these these uh, these these uh, these Jews were getting help from the Holy Spirit to soften their heart. They were receiving truth, and also the Holy Spirit was at work. And there was a there was a prophecy about this that at least partially has to do with the Day of Pentecost. This is from the Book of Zechariah, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. So that when they look on me, on him, whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him, as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him, as one weeps over a firstborn. So I believe this was this was what what the what that gathering was experiencing. They were cut to the heart. They were. They, 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 the fullness of the magnitude of the terrible thing they had just done, which they had been hoping for seeing. They were looking for, for as an answer for their issues. The one who has been sent, they rejected and killed. And the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts. And Jesus told his disciples about this too, about the Holy Spirit. He said in John. 16.8, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's part of what Holy Spirit does. Yay, Holy Spirit. Not, a, not all of us are real thrilled about what that might mean to be convicted, but this isn't the kind of conviction where you're sent to jail, is it? It's, it's, it's the settled sense that you no longer want to participate in what you were doing before or what you were believing before, or I would say the self-protective strategies you were using that were, was keeping the love of God uh, from having access to you. We need the Holy Spirit's help and power to soften our hearts and restore our consciences. So it's a good thing the Holy Spirit's doing that. It's a really good thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I want to read a kind of an expanded version of that scripture right around John, um, John 16, verse 8. 
Jesus shared with his apostles. This is from the message version. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me, in Jesus, is their basic sin. That kind of changes your paradigm, doesn't it? Our basic sin is not believing in Jesus. And that righteousness comes from above, where I am with the Father, out of their sight and control. You remember how the Pharisees and the scribes were trying to control Jesus and get him to do what, get, get, get with their program, with their system? Thank you, Jesus, that you are not touchable. You are not swayed by men, but you're about love. And that judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. Now, that's a different kind of conviction. That's a conviction of being being, um, shown that they're not the one who has a right to, to rule this earth. That Jesus brought that back for us. Thank you, Lord. And I, I'd like, you, like to encourage you all, all of us, including me, to take a journey with Jesus this coming week. How many of you, it's okay, you don't have to raise hands, but did any, did any of you, let me put it this way, read the weekly encouraging email? I see one hand, awesome. <laughs> I see that hand too. <laughs> uh, in there, I, I talk about this. And um, we're coming up on Palm Sunday this Sunday, traditional day of celebrating observing Palm Sunday. And I believe that by the Holy Spirit, it's quite possible as you read the scriptures and enter into that journey of that last week when Jesus was visible to everybody, um, to enter into that experience with Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a gift that would mean a lot to him, to be with him. I mentioned years ago, it was a small group of us that went to Jerusalem to help out with one of the houses of prayer, Sakat Halal. And we visited uh, Caiaphas's house. And not one, but two stories down, I mean, like a sub-basement, there's, there's an area that's been chiseled out of, out of the stone. You can see all the chisel marks still, just you know, scraped across. <clears throat> and that's where um, many believe that Jesus was held when he was taken to Caiaphas's house. And, and the Lord did something really, really remarkable while we were there. He arranged, there were people coming down the stairs and up the stairs, but for a, a period of time, there was no one else down there but the folks from the team. I think that was miraculous. And we, were, we became gripped with a sense of, of Jesus there 2,000 years ago. And what he was feeling and what he was thinking. And the sense that we could lean our hearts to him. 
that we could pray for him, that we could extend our, our love and gratitude to him, and that somehow through across time that would reach him. Karina and Susan were there, and Brent was there, and Kelly Roche. And it was, it was, so, it was the most profound experience I had that trip. And I'm kind of a little um, opaque, but so people were weeping over that sense of Jesus being there and love for him and compassion for him and gratitude to him. And I encourage you to consider going on a journey with, through Scripture with the Holy Spirit. That's the key, with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> A surprising percentage of gospel texts focus on those days, on those seven days. Well, yeah. Uh, gospel of Mark is 34%. Gospel, pardon me, 39%. Gospel of Matthew, 34%. Gospel of Luke, 23%. And the Gospel of John, 47%. It's focused on that last week. So it's, it's important. I encourage you to read one of the synoptic gospels, gospels either Mark or Matthew or Luke, and then read the Gospel of John. And if you don't have time to do a bunch, read the Gospel of John. So that's my encouragement. Thinking about prophecy and visions and dreams and knowings, You've, you've probably all heard the phrase, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And this is the scripture. For I am, This is a, a, an angel that seems so amazing to John that he wanted to fall down and worship him. I'm, but the, the angel said, I'm only a fellow servant with you and one of your brothers and sisters who cling to what Jesus testifies. Worship God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19.10 in the Passion Translation. And this goes back to what I was saying about being the ecclesia as well. The spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit who gives us this sense of what, what Father desires from heaven to be done on earth and we, and we declare it or we act on it or we somehow participate with that as, as his ecclesia. We're, we're being moved by the Spirit of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit to do that. And that, when we participate that way, that brings it into the, into the realm of the earth, brings heaven's realm into the realm of the earth. And Jesus said this to his, his apostles about Holy Spirit. He will glorify me on the earth for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. And that is why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. And uh, we're going to we're going to celebrate our, our connection with Jesus by, by taking communion together. And I'd like the folks who are helping with that 
to uh, go over, follow Susan over there. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about communion while they're doing that. Bill Hernandez has recently been sharing that that the Lord has been impressing upon him that when when the Lord touches us and heals us or frees us from demonic bondage or or oppression, sets us free, heals us, heals our heart, that is not just God sending, you know, a zap. That is his very presence. He is, it's his presence that brings all those things, not that he just kind of, you know, mails it into us. Does that make sense? He's, He's showing up personally. He's personally showing up. And as you uh, prepare to, to uh, take communion, I encourage you to bring before Jesus the, the thing, you know, your, what, you're, what you're longing for, the wholeness that you're longing for, and ask for his presence to fill you as, as you take the elements. Many people have been healed by honoring Jesus and in taking communion with him. It's not magic, except for when we engage with, with our with our hearts and with the Holy Spirit, and we and we encounter Jesus. That's that's the if you want to call it that's the that's what what brings this about. And um, would you all bring this forward before and face the um, the congregation? Just bring your bring your elements. Go ahead and sit over and stand here. I want to thank the ones who are willing to, to serve us today. Thank you. But what I'd like to do is, with you, we, we're going to ask the Lord to bless the grape juice and the bread with, um, with all that he wants to infuse to, in it for, for our, his grace for us as we take communion. So, so would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your, your body and your blood as represented by the, the bread and, and the grape juice. And this is just ordinary grape juice and bread, but we want to encounter you in taking communion with these elements. And so we, we ask your grace upon the bread and the juice. Wow. Wow. We ask that let kingdom, your kingdom come, your presence. It's not just um, a legal entity, but your presence come. Your will be done in this communion, in us, as you, Father, desire in heaven. Wow. Oh. 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 Amen.